What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of By the Hood podcast or webcast, because I don't know how you're consuming this content, so either you're watching the video or listening. Um, my name is Jimmy, as usual. I'm your host, and I'm here with my partner, Corey's in the building. Corey, how are you? What's going on, Jim? How you feeling? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm excited about this episode, man. This is going to be an amazing episode for us. Um, it's special for a lot of reasons, right? So we have our sister in the building, Aisha Selden, who is a mogul. I'm just going to use the word mogul. Um, a lot of people know her. She's everyone's favorite auntie on IG. Um, yeah. but, but it's special for us for a lot of reasons, right? So we're all high school classmates. We all went to high school together, right? But outside of that, when you talk about the concept of by the hood, that's exactly what it is that she did, right? And um, first and foremost, each before we get started, I just want to say, uh, for one, I'm very proud of what you're doing. Um, and I think it's amazing the way that you like give back as well as uh, the work that you do. So I want to start by saying that. Thank you. Yeah, because I, I love when I love when anyone from our school does well, because um, even like in a weird, selfish way, it makes me feel like my my um, diploma right. is more, more valuable. <laughs> So, so we have people that do amazing things that from our school, like doctors, attorneys, entrepreneurs, um, people in politics. And I love seeing all of it because, uh, you know, in a weird way, it makes me feel better about myself. Um, <laughs> you know, but with that being said, um, each, let's just start with this. Let's start from the beginning. Right. So you're from South Philly. Right. So I know a lot of your story, so I'm not going to like try to um, just give all your bars away, but if you're born and raised in South Philly, um, what was your upbringing, right? So how did you get to this point where you recognized that real estate would be your career? And, um, well, not even your career, because uh, to quote you, you're an investor, but real estate is just one of your vehicles. But um, did you always look forward to um, a career in finance or real estate or how this come about? Um, so like you mentioned, um actually real estate for me just was another investment that made sense. I invest in um, a few different things, real estate being just one of them. Real estate is actually probably my favorite investment. But um, I mean, as a, as a kid, I was always, um, money always just made sense to me. I mean, like, you know, some people, um, you know, they, they they listen to podcasts all the time. They like had to go to school for like, I was, for me as a kid growing up, I mean, I, I, I mean, like most people from South Philly, very humble beginnings. We were poor, single mom, um, similar story to a lot of people who, who came up in the streets in South Philly, but um, I could always save a buck. I mean, I was that kid where if you gave me, if you gave me a $10 allowance, I'd have that same $10 six weeks later. Um, so for me, saving was always something that made sense. Um, as I got older and realized, I, I think I started working at um, a bank when I was 18 or 19, and I started seeing real money. People started coming in with like uh, millions. And I remember I worked at the Rittenhouse Square branch, which is now um, Wells Fargo on Walnut Street. And that's when I really got exposure to like, wait, this, this, this $15,000 that I thought was a lot of money saved in my account ain't shit compared to what Miss Rosenstein has um, and, where her, and, and where her money is. Um, and, I, and, I, and I started peeping this like, yo, like this lady doesn't work and she's got these like stocks and she's got these mutual funds and she's got money that's working for her. And for me, that's when I started thinking, I've got to figure out how to transition from being a saver. For, so for, for me, that just made sense. Um, I remember when um, my mom had a house on... Um, 
on Webster Street, 12th and Webster, right between Christian and Catherine. I think that new area, that area is now called Hawthorne. When I was growing up there, it was called Saigon. Um, and I remember <laughs> we, were, we were moving from Saigon up to Germantown and my mom owned her house. She paid, she paid like $30,000 for this house back in like the 80s. And in the 90s, we were moving out. And I remember telling my mom, I said, mom, don't sell that house. I said, look, we, we're, we're within walking distance to downtown, um, depth into downtown. We're super close to South Street. I said, don't sell the house, keep it. I think that's gonna be a good long-term investment. I mean, she, she got scared, she didn't listen. She sold that house for $35,000. So as you can imagine today, I mean, it was, we had a big, we had a, I mean, it was still a small house, but it was a three-story house and we had a huge lot on the side of it that was about the size of our house by, in, in square footage. Um, and she, she sold it. Wow. So, when that area started to develop, that kind of also kicked me into gear, just realizing what we missed out on or what my mom missed out on or what her children missed out on. Um, because I mean, that house today with, with no work, just because of the location alone is worth a ton of money. And, and in retrospect, I mean, I certainly wish she still had that investment, but I'm kind of glad it happened because I remember thinking in my 20s, I will never let that happen again. Yeah. So I, here's I, you know what's crazy about that. I did the same when I first got into real estate. Um, so I got into real estate as a teenager, but one of the first moves I did is I had a house on the 1400 block of Colorado Street, um, yeah. and I sold it for like 40. Now, granted, I had got it for next to nothing, so it was like one of those quick flips. It wasn't a wholesale per se. It was like one of those things where. I found someone who was selling it, got it for like 15 and sold it for 40. And I thought I was a genius, right? <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, but it's one of those things where you live and you learn, but it's to the point now, I don't, I don't even drive down that block no more. Cause it's like, yeah, time, hurt. yeah it yeah, hurts. That hurts. So I understand what you mean about that area in South Philly. Right. But at the time it was a different, it was a different climate too, but that is a, totally. that's a learning experience though. Yeah, totally. To I mean, totally different. I mean, we, it's, it's funny because, I firsthand seen um, because most a lot of a lot of parts of the city have been gentrified, but I saw firsthand because South Philly probably gentrified. I think more than most parts of Philadelphia. I, I went to um, Catholic school on 20th and Christian, so we we walked that stretch from 12th and Christian to 20th and Christian every day. And I remember how scary that block was. I mean, that, that was a scary ass. Yes, place. yes. I mean, you, like you remember, like Christian Street around like sixteen. I absolutely do. Those, I know. I know exactly what you mean. It was scary as shit. And yeah. now, now it's million dollar now, homes. <laughs> now, I mean, it, it's like so. So to to see that as a young professional who, um, you know, I started investing and dabbling in stocks, and then I became a licensed stockbroker. And just just seeing the change of how South Philly could go from being as scary as it was to, like you said, million dollar beautiful homes, I remember thinking, oh, that's that's the move. So mm -hmm. at the time when I started heavily investing in real estate, which is back in 2011, I kind of waited for. I saw the market crash, and I said, all right, let me let me just see what I can do in the real estate market. And people at the time were saying, don't go south of Washington Avenue. Um, and I said, you know what? At at, at some point. Christian Street looked scary as shit. Mm -hmm. So everybody's saying, don't go south of Washington. I said, you know what? I'm going to bet south of Washington because one, it's still affordable. And it doesn't even look as scary as Christian Street did when I was right. there. <laughs> yeah. um, so that, that to me was a logical move and, and, and it paid off. Yeah, because at one point it was like Lombard to Washington and from Broad to the river. So that's that little box and everything yep. was exploding. 
and they actually yeah. changed the name of it. For, it wasn't South Philly no more. It was Graduate Hospital, you know. So they yep. changed. They changed. You know how they changed it? The yep. Because like you know, that's the first thing that happens. They come up with a new name, so it was Graduate yep. Hospital area, and that yep. stuff yep. that took off. I remember that time. Don't go past Washington. That was a thing. Um, yep. But like you said, it don't, it, only one way it can go because the proximity to Center City is still what it is. Yep. Um, still what it is. Yep. Yeah. So that's interesting. And I, ended then, up, um, I ended up starting investing not far from where you are on, on the 1400 block of Colorado, I started investing on the 1300 block of South Mold. Okay. So found a property. In fact, I, I actually, um, I found a good realtor, Sharon. My first bid around there was on a 1200 block of South 15th. It was a three-story house. Um, and I remember being pissed because um, it was a hood property and I lost it by like two grand. It went for like, mm. 70, like 72 grand, a three-story on the 1200 block of South 15th. Wow. Um, so I, I just kept looking in that area, found one on the 1300 block of South Mold and then bought another house on that block and then bought on the 1400 block of South Chadwick. So I, I like, I, I like that area cause I, I like to be close to broad. I mean, in, in retrospect, because I was kind of insistent on staying close to broad in retrospect, it didn't matter because if, today, if you're on 15th or 22nd in Wharton, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but in my, in my logic, I wanted to be closer to broad because it was closer to, to the subway, but it, yeah. it, it, it didn't even matter in the long run. So you grew up with the idea of studying money. Money has always been a thing. So when you went to school, um, you majored in what, economics? That was it, what was your degree in? Yep. So I had a dual degree in economics and marketing with a minor in, um, in communications. I knew I wanted to do something in business. Um, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, so I initially started out in marketing, mostly because of Boomerang. Um, that is yo, that is absolutely hilarious. Cause, um, yo, shout out to my brother Dev. Dev Dev did the same thing. He actually has two marketing degrees, and he he, he will tell you to this day, <laughs> he was trying to be he was trying to be like Marcus Graham. So that's hilarious. You know, I mean, as 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 kids growing up, when we did, I mean, that was like one of the first movies where like black people was getting it you know yes, they were. No, I agree. Listen, they was living the good life penthouses i said okay i can get with this yeah um so i started out with a marketing degree and realized i was more so interested in the financial um end of it so i was debating do i pick up accounting do i pick up finance or do i pick up economics um i wanted to get through college as quickly as possible so ended up picking up mark uh, economics in addition to marketing and then I, I realized i was going too quickly through and i wanted to get my four, full four-year experience so i picked up a minor in communications okay um, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get back to the school things i know you have some thoughts on that but i have another question did you ever i have this thing in my um i call it a, a matrix moment now that's what i call it All right yeah. so you study money did you ever have that moment where everything clicked and you recognize how um corporations the ownership of corporations and the ownership of like buildings and land how everything works together and kind of like runs the world like did you ever have that matrix moment where you say oh my god like this is what's really going on around me let me tell you something um sitting in a class studying um studying for my series seven that's when that clicked for me so i graduated in june of may of 2000 i started studying for my my series seven exam um a month or so after that. And I remember sitting in my series seven class thinking, this is what this shit is all about mm -hmm. right here. Like this, everything I'm learning right here is what is, this is all about. That was my matrix moment. Yeah. Yeah. I always ask people about that. Cause anyone who like studies um, any sort of market, they always have this moment where it's like, Oh my God, it's like, you start to see the world different. Everything slows down. Right. The yep. core, your core, you can relate to that. Right. When you start, yeah. 
man, you, start, you start going into the market, you're looking at products like who owns this and how long have they had? Like, you, you look at everything different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like we, when, I, when I first started owning companies and then I saw that with the, the companies that those companies started, that, that they owned, I was like, man, it's so much crazy money out here. Like, why would I do anything else besides own anything? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, it's funny because, um, and I don't talk about this much on social uh, social media, largely because as a licensed stockbroker and my firm is is a little, um, they're they're pretty stringent on what I can say and what I can't say. And Jimmy, I've even seen some seen some, seen some of your disclosures where this is not. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful. And um, I don't even. And the crazy part is, I don't even. I used to have a securities license. I I, I had this the um the sixty three to six to twenty six. I had all of them, right? Um, but I had mine before the um the crash right so and i i I don't know but i know what happened was they started changing the rules and i had to start submitting like bank statements on a monthly basis they were like this is like when everything went crazy and at the point i really wasn't using it because i was more into the real estate so i just held my real estate license and kind of like just let them go but i I still at times find myself like trying to disclose you know even my real estate license this is not invested not come back at me so i understand why with you still being active you kind of like you know i understand yeah, I, I mean, I, I very rarely will I even mention it, but it's, you know, it's, it's funny because when you start thinking about things and I, I reinvest um, all of my dividends, I own, I own stocks, I reinvest everything. But when you really start to sit and think, I, I was looking at um, some shares of a stock that I won't, I won't even mention the name of just because I don't, I don't want it to be construed as advice. And I realized that this particular telecommunications stock that I hold, the dividend that I get from it pays my cell phone bill every month. The cell, phone bills, cell phone bills ain't cheap. You know, so That's this, right. I was like, this particular telecom stock pays my cell phone bill every month. You know, mm-hmm. when, when people ask me, like, you, you know, why do you get an iPhone every year? Because I don't have to pay for it. I have, you know, <laughs> I, have I have a divi- I have dividends in a fruit company that that would could buy me could buy me multiple iPhones every single every single year. Why not? Like, you know, so, so when you when and and the, and the interesting thing is, in in retrospect, so twenty two year old me to probably. 30 something year old me um, was very, very frugal because I was more so interested in the ownership that Corey just talked about. I was more so interested in, you know, forget the nice car, forget all the bling, forget all that stuff. Let me just bank and save as much as I possibly can so that on the other side of this, I don't even have to work to pay myself. Like what I bought many, many years ago will pay my bills for me. Or, you know, if I, if I, want, if I want a new pair of Nikes or, or whatever, my dividends will pay for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different place. That's a whole different place to be. Absolutely it is. And I, I find myself getting caught in traps at the right time. So you go on the web, they have these things um, where you can go back and calculate if I would have bought this at this period and reinvest it. I get caught in those traps and just get mad. I call my mom like, mom, what's wrong with you? I got a good one for you. I, um, in 2000, I think it was 2000, 2000, 2001, I had $2,000. And I'll never forget sitting there deciding, do I buy Apple or do I buy Dell? But two thousand dollars was back in, it was either two thousand or two thousand one. Do I buy Apple or do I buy Dell with this two thousand dollars? I <laughs> bought Dell. Oh, <laughs> I thought this was going somewhere else. <laughs> but, but, but you know what though? I ain't gonna front though. At the time, Dell was cooking. Michael Dell was cooking at one point. At the time. At the time, you would have bought Dell. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, I you have no idea how many times I've gone back to that $2,000 that I could have put in either one of them 
and you know, here we yeah. are. <laughs> Live and learn. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, here's what I tell Live people. Like, you know, even with that being said, you still were learning from that experience for one. And for two, you still were making the right plays. You were investing. And yeah. that's the key. Because to me, what I see is most people's problem is right. not taking action. Yep. People don't take action. I, I talk to people. I mean, I'm no, and yep. I know you do too. I see you out there trying to teach and everything. And I talk to people every day. And there's some people that will literally inbox me every day. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I said, what have you done this far? Nothing. I'm asking you what you think about. You've been asking me what do I think about specific things, whether it be a, a piece of land or a property, whatever it may be. That's all you do is ask me what do I think about it? What do you think yeah. about it? Are you going to make a move or not? So well, action not, to me. Just, yeah. yeah, like take action to me. That's like, you know, where most people's problem is yeah. the action. Yeah, so that's and crazy. That's, 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 one of the re- that's one of the reasons I get so upset sometimes is because you know, it, you don't have to, you don't have to want to be a landlord. You like, you may, not everybody's meant to be a landlord. Not everybody's, not like, not everybody's meant to own every specific kind of investment that, that I, that I hold. I get that. But you need to own something. And, mm-hmm. the, and the reality is there are investments that you can hold as a lazy ass investor. Absolutely. Yeah, you can hold mutual funds, you can hold index funds, you can hold ETF. There's, There's so much stuff that you can hold where you don't have to worry about getting touch and touch text from tenants or calls from tenants or getting headaches, but you yeah. got to own something. Yeah. And all right, let me get back to that. But let me ask you a question about the whole school thing. I know you have some thoughts about um, where we stand with the student uh, loan debt crisis and, and all those kind of things. And you've been making some statements and I saw people going crazy. You kind of rile people up <laughs> when you talked about that. So my Listen, question is, people get mad when you start, when you try to take the education away. Like, I, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I tell people all the time, don't, don't let a, uh, don't let school get in the way of your education. But, um, yeah, right. My, my question that to you part. is, so what are, what are your thoughts at this moment, right? If you, if you had a child that was getting ready to get to that point, what would your advice be? You know, I saw a post today on, on someone's page. She said something like, don't send your kid off to college at 18 without a plan. You know, you send, you send a kid off at 18. They have no plan. They have no idea what they want to do in life. And to be honest, an 18-year-old today is not the same 18-year-olds that we were 20 years ago or 20 some years ago, nice. right? They have, they have no clue what they're doing. They have no clue what they want to be in life. They have no clue how to even barely tie their shoes. And then you're sending them into an institution where they're racking up 20, 30, $40,000 a year in debt. That makes zero sense, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So if, if, if I had a kid today, they're 18, I'm not sending them to rack up a whole bunch of debt without a plan in place. So what I would probably do in the interim at 18, I'm either sending them to some sort of community college where they're doing some sort of like trade uh, through, through, through something to try to figure out like, what do I want to do in life? Maybe they're working for me. Maybe they're working for some other business owner. They're doing, they're doing something um, unless they're dead set and know beyond the shadow of a doubt, here's exactly what I want to do in life. But not many 18 year olds know that today. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out like who, who you are, like what is your work ethic, what, what is your long-term plan, do you want to start a business, is college even needed? Because I, I mean, I think we're still holding and hanging on to this college is our only way out idea. Because when we were, when we were coming up 20 years ago or 30 years ago, that's, that, all, we you know, it, that's all we were told. And, and at the time, it probably was true. Today, it's a different story. I mean, like think about the shortage right now that we have of contractors in the city of Philadelphia. Oh my God. Especially yeah. good, especially good ones. <laughs> Listen, especially good ones. You know, yeah. If you, if you, if your son or your daughter um, wants to be a tradesman instead, they can make a fortune 
far more than they probably could with a than than they could having a I don't know, a bachelor's degree in English or something. I mean, like there's there's a ton of opportunity out here that doesn't necessarily involve college. And I think that at least if nothing else, because I'm not saying that college is not for everyone. I'm like I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there are other ways. Yeah, to, and, to and I think the key is what you said, having a plan. Because um, mm-hmm. one of the things I look at, I look back at is, I'm, you know, first of all, I had like good grades all throughout school or whatever. Um, but my worst grades out of any year was probably my freshman year because I was not prepared to be away um, with, with no one watching over me. I was wild in my freshman year. But with that being said, um, I also know that there are all kinds of grants and different things that I didn't, I had no plan. I just knew that, okay, I'm graduating here and now I'm going to college. I had no plan, yep. though, like you said. So yep. I think that's a good point to have a plan because if you have a plan, then you know which way to go. Um, so I am a proponent of community college as well, but also having a plan and yep. thinking about how to get it paid for. I know people, I was just talking to yep. someone who um, took like a job at Temple just so their kid can go to Temple for free, right? And, and you know, I know a lot of parents that do that. Yeah, be strategic. Yep. They're strategic in how they do it. That's what I'm saying. Be strategic in how you make that um, move. Um, yep. All right, so getting back to you building building your portfolio up, and you mentioned about a lot of people when they talk about the buy and hold aspect of real estate, they don't want to be a landlord. So a lot of times we have guests on here um, and I ask questions for my own benefit just because uh, I like to learn as well. Um, you know, so you manage all your own stuff, right? Yep. Unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> I got one specific question. This is going to sound crazy, Corey, but I always wonder this. I, and I ask a lot of buy and hold landlords who have a lot of property. So in between my personal portfolio stuff that I have for clients, um, stuff that I might be flipping at the time. I'll have like, I might have like 50 to 60 properties at one time, right? Yeah. How do you control your keys? Uh, that sounds I like have, a, that's a crazy, I always, I always wonder this because I like, I have like, I go crazy like trying to keep control of the keys. How do you control your keys? So I have a, I have a, a, a little, um, it's not a briefcase, but it's like a little bag and every single one of my keys is tagged by property address. So I have like, um, you can pick them up at, um, Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever. It's like a little color coded little tags. Um, I write the address on there and then I like, I clip them on. So I basically, I mean, it, that, that bag of keys is like near and dear to my heart. It's probably one of my favorite things. <laughs> right? You bag. have somebody carry it around like they carry the coat. And that is my favorite. Listen, listen, like, like combination lock on it, like that thing is everything. All right, so I I got something similar, but I be drawing, right? So what I'll do is like on one of them, I'll like write the number one and then I'll have like in my phone or a note somewhere, number one is this address. Because I always worry about like, if someone steals it or breaks it, like they have the actual address, like that freaks me out. No, you're you're so right. I don't put the full address on there. So I'll put like, um, for example, we had um, multiple houses on uh, the 2900 block of of Bailey. So I'll put like just the last two numbers, Bailey, or I'll put like um, just uh, South Chadwick or I'll put South, you know, North Patton. So I'll, I'll, I won't, you know, I won't, put the full address on there so if somebody found the keys they could y'all, y'all portfolio is large my portfolio fit on a key ring that i just <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> and i just wanted to also tell you real quick i appreciate your work on the 2900 block of uh taylor street because uh, my wife and i got a couple on that block and um you know i see okay. i see what you're doing you, you raised your volume up real nice listen he's just making that block beautiful but um you see my, you, see, you see you see my side over there <laughs> yeah, I see it. I see it. I see it. I see what goes down. But um, 
so that, that I know that's like a crazy question. I always wondered that question. That's a question that's like, but I know that if I'm if I'm asking that question, a lot of people have the same like you know questions about that. But that's like mad specific. Yeah. Um, because the other one I have is all right. So in managing a lot of properties, um, is is bank accounts, right? So if I set up. Uh, I'm gonna tell how I do my own personal one. So I set up. Um, when I'm holding a deposit, those are all in separate accounts. But I go back and forth between um, when I'm building up sort of like my slush fund for repairs. Do I put it all in one account or do I set up an individual one for each property? Or you just have one major fund. So that's another question. Do you have one major fund that you t you know put in for repairs and expenses and things like that? So depending on the um, depending on the ownership. So I have three different partnerships. So with my partnership with a guy named Andy, he and I have a separate account that manages just one property. Um, I have a triplex on 63rd Street with a guy I work with and his wife. We have just one LLC account, um, and that takes care of all the expenses of that building. And then my partner that I have most of my properties with, we have an S-Corp that basically does all the property management for all of our individual LLCs. So okay. everything just kind of gets filtered into that one account, and then the LLC, that the S-Corp, which does our property management, basically handles all the expenses of all the various LLCs. Ah. Um, and then for pro properties that I have on my own, have their own separate um separate account yeah so you got so, i mean it's yeah so okay so you you kind of had that, that's what i was wondering because that, that gets kind of crazy when you have like um you know but stuff that was over. bars though because with the with the escort handling all of the, the 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 property management stuff now you don't have to look at everything individually the escort will do it all for you so that that's that's yeah that that, that 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 actually is a gem that's like a, a umbrella and and by the way um your partner she's amazing she's like one of my idols because she's so low-key and she'd be yeah, out here killing it she'd be out here killing she, it she, she wanted them low-key but you know what the, the crazy thing is i'm finding there's a lot of people in philly who are just like low-key killing it you listen like, man you, you never know they, they may not be on social media I learned, just out here just killing it. I learned my lesson a long time ago. When I first got into real estate, the first job I had, I had was a real estate salesperson, right? So I worked for an um, old lady named Virginia Messa. And I'm pretty sure everybody in Philly seen her sign, Messa Realty, like the, the, the yellow and yep. red sign, right? So she's an older lady. Yep, I know exactly what you're about. So yep. she, she was, she's so smart. She taught me so much. So one of the things she taught me, because I, I would sit in the office and people would come in and they would have a Mercedes and a three-piece suit. And me being a young boy, I'd run to go help him like, oh, he got money. And she would let me do it and be laughing. And then what, and cause I, I literally spent time showing this guy, I was so green. I didn't even see if he was pre-approved, but he had a Mercedes in a suit. I took this guy to see like 60 properties. We get back to like run his credit and everything. He had the worst credit. He had no money. He just, <laughs> he just wasted like three weeks of my time. Right. Yep. But then I will yep. find, I will find guys that come in with like, you know, dirty jeans and a pickup truck with a big dent in it. They wouldn't even like think to get refixed. And guys would have like six hundred thousand dollars in their account, like so. That was a lesson I got early on in real estate. Yep. One of the lessons yep. I got is you can't judge a book by its cover, and yep. um, and that's specifically when you talk about like um ownership and real estate. It's it's amazing that lesson right there, because yep. a lot of people into I mean, the that's, flash. That's that's that millionaire next door stuff. Millionaire next door stuff. I mean, I, I, like I'll never forget reading that book early on as a new as a new broker because that that opened my eyes to I, I, i'll never forget if i went out into the lobby to greet a new client for the first time i i, I always thought that when as soon as i go out the flashier the person is the less the less money they have you know I, I, i'll never forget going out and, and, and greeting one um it was a husband and a wife older couple and they had on this like vintage old ass suit like that like you <laughs> knew that they've been wearing this thing since the 1970s as soon as i was like yes 
I saw that old ass suit. I said, I know they got something. You 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 listen. totally flipped it. So now now you look at it different. You're like, okay. Listen, I know what's about. Listen, I, as soon as I see somebody who look, they they look like I've been like I'm. I, they were they they were clean, but like nothing flashy, nothing new. You could tell that it was like they had kept them suits, you know, since the seven. Like they, they were dry clean day day <laughs> down the street from the. But that that but then, you know what that goes to that matrix moment when you start to look at every dollar out as um future income loss you start to spend a little bit differently. I know when I had that, when I had that moment, you start looking at how a dividend works or how rent works. And you say every dollar that I put out was future income. Like you put, you literally are putting your money to work for you. So yeah. you, you start to treat money a little different. You have a different relationship with money um, than other people. Um, yeah. So let me ask you a question um, about someone who's listening to this or watching this and they want to get started. They're at home. They have never started. And they say, look, I want to be like each. I want to get some real estate. I want to get some investments. What would you say is the very first thing they should do? The first thing I think they, that people need to do is condition themselves as a saver first, period. Um, you know, there, there are steps to this game. You know, there's the, you, you can't go from um, one end of the process all the way to disciplined investor and think that everything's going to be gravy. Um, there's a process and there's a process for a reason. Now, I always say that someone who hasn't mastered the art of being a saver first you like you, how you gonna be a landlord and you ain't got no money saved you know like you don't you don't even know how to save a reserve because when something goes wrong when the the hot water tank explodes yeah. or the roof goes the tenant stops paying that person and you couldn't figure out how to even save some reserve money you know you're gonna lose your house you're gonna destroy your credit so I say follow the steps of the process, figure out how to be a saver first, and then figure out how to be an investor, and then figure out how to be a disciplined investor, and make sure that you follow and embrace every single step of that process first. Yeah. So, so I, I, I heard saver, investor, disciplined investor. What's the difference between an investor and a disciplined investor? You know, you know I think um, I bumped my head around. I bumped my head around a lot um, just figuring out what works. I mean, I think... I think the investor is someone who realizes the benefit of having their money work for them, but they haven't yet figured out like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to chase returns. I'm not going to chase what looks sexy. You know, I, like, I remember um, back in the day buying stocks where the company wasn't even making money, but it, it was like the hot stock. You know, think, think of everybody who like dove off the cliff um, on tech stocks back in the late 90s. Um, you know, I won't, I won't bring up Bitcoin because I mean, I, 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 I see the value in um, that kind of currency, but um, an investor is someone before they find before they find the discipline of investing. I think they're just re they're just chasing returns, regardless of whether or not it actually makes sense as an investment. Point of arrival is figuring out how you can apply disciplines to your investing. What what is your philosophy? You're not just out chasing returns. You're not out just trying to find some sexy investment. You're you've actually got an applied discipline to what you're buying, why you're buying, when you're buying, when you're selling. I mean, it's, it's actually a lot more strategic. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's hard to go from that saver to just jumping straight into being a disciplined investor because you got to learn, you got to learn some lessons. Um, yeah. And that's okay because I think that's just part of the process. I mean, yeah. I've, I've gotten burned on satellite radio stocks and technology mutual funds back in the day. I've, I've gotten burned on all those. And today, when I look at an investment, I've got all those lessons that, that I can remember on, yeah, I lost money on this. I, I bought companies that 
that, that, that weren't making money. Like now I'm like, okay, now I know why I applied the disciplines to my investment approach. Yeah. So it's also managing emotion too, right? Yeah. Because I think- Talking to an investor that, that was talking about managing emotions and her investment, she does short-term trading and she was talking about how she manages her emotions during her trading. She's an options trader. And she was talking about managing emotions during um, during her during her trades. Even and with even with long term investments, I, like the emotional part, um, I've seen that ruin people too. Like like you just talked about um, not having reserves and not being a saver. I've seen that ruin people. Not managing emotions. I've seen that ruin. I've seen people um, hold on to things they shouldn't have because they feel attached to it. Um, yeah. But that whole thing about not having reserves, I think that, that, that that's a gem in itself because I've seen people literally uh, get to a point where something's going wrong with their property and they don't have any reserves and they start ducking their tenant the way a tenant would duck them if they didn't pay their rent. <laughs> they, start exactly. ducking, they start ducking their tenant. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, so one thing I can personally say is um, I have never taken like cash to live from any investment, right? So... Um, I still work jobs and things like that to get income. So all my investments can like do their work for them. Um, yep. And I, I bring that up because I know each, you, you, you still work, even though you have a portfolio, if you wanted to, that could take care of you. Yep. I no, I still, I still got a gig. I mean, I was, I'm down here in Durham, North Carolina right now working. I saw clients all day today. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you, you mentioned something really important and, and it's probably one of my, one of my favorite studies in economics is, is, behavioral finance, which is exactly what you mentioned, just the emotional, the emotional side of investing, why we do what we do. And, and the funny thing is, um, I've found that most people respond to their investments very similar to how they would um, at a black check table mm -hmm. or sitting at, you know, we respond to fear um, and read. You know, if I, if I were to ask the, the average investor who's buying any investment, stock, real estate, how do you make money investing? It's you buy low and you sell high, right? <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, there's a whole lot that goes on in the interim. If you're, if you're getting paid dividends or getting paid rent, there's a whole lot that goes on in the middle. But um, when, when, it, when it actually gets right down to it, I had a conversation with a client the other day and I said, we've got a stock that's up like 28% year to date. Uh, and we got one stock that's, you know, marginally up. It was like flat for the year. I said, I want to sell the stock that's up 20% uh, for the year and reallocate it to something else. And they said, well, why would you want to sell my investment that's doing well? And I said, okay, here's, here's where your emotions are now playing a role in what you want to sell and what you want to keep. Before we got into the investment, I asked you, how do you make money in, in, in an investment? You buy it when it's low, you sell it when it's high. But because we respond to our emotions based on fear and greed, you're actually doing the exact opposite of what you should do. So you want to keep something that's done well, and you want to sell something that hasn't done that hasn't done well. That's the exact opposite of the logic <laughs> that yeah. we said we're going to apply. You know, you know, because where you start, <laughs> it's it's totally counterintuitive to how you because our emotions get involved. Yeah, and that's 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 so for those out there listening or watching, um. Always keep that in mind, regardless of what we're talking about. Is 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 those emotions? Because I yeah. I even even when you talked about you yeah. brought up you brought up crypto, right? So, um, my my foray into crypto, um, I had got some crypto early, but it started going up, right? So it went up so much that I literally got scared, and I because I'm not used to seeing anything, right? So I sold all of it. Only thing I have left at this point is stuff that people had gave me, but I sold all of it and bought a property. I went through what I know. 
right? <laughs> but at the time I sold it, it was around like, yeah, it was like 13, I think at the time I sold. And I, so then after that, I saw it go all the way up to 20. And, I'm, and of course you get into your feelings again, like, Damn, I sold it. But I, yeah, I bought it next I'll to nothing. I'll sell my crypto gym. Yeah, yeah. So, insta- so instead, of, instead of me saying, well, damn, I went and did this, the emotions get involved, and you say, well, I want the 20. But I saw a lot of people with their emotional, um, their emotions going both ways with that whole ride in uh, 2018. So, and I just say that to say, like, um, always keep that in mind when you're making decisions uh, is, is how to control your emotions. But moving forward, though, um, I, one of the things that impresses me about you, um, outside of what you've built, is how you, you give back. You give back in terms of, like, you know, you go out and you speak. Um, I even heard a, a young lady in Philly, a Jamisa, said that you mentored her. You actually told her, look, just buy you some Starbucks, and you gave her all the game, and now she's flying on her own thing. Um, yeah. So was that something that you always wanted to do, or that's something that you, like, stepped into in terms of being a mentor? You know what? I think um... – I think that in, in, in realizing in the communities that we come from, um, a couple things I knew to be true. Um, one, help is not on the way. Uh, and two, Man, listen. As a, mine, as a friend of mine says all the time, we all we got. So if, if the people who are doing it, and, and people say to me all the time, like, you know, you have people trash talking on your IG page. I don't know why you do that. That's why I don't say a word. That's why I don't say shit. I, like, I keep all my stuff to myself. Um, like, I, it's our responsibility like I mean I don't even I don't even feel like I'm doing anything admirable what it's my responsibility to do like Mm -hmm. you know I I could I could I could just keep doing my thing that's irresponsible you know is we have people in our community who are hungry don't have the education don't have the knowledge like how can we how can we not teach somebody else how to do it Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we, you know, we're believers in that too. We go all around teaching it because the thing I realize is it's, it's twofold, right? So a lot of times I talk to people and they say, why do you share so much information? You're going to create competition, right? And I never look at it that way because first of all, I think in abundance is one. I always yep. think in abundance, but then two, Absolutely. and I hate to say this, but it's my experience over the last couple of decades, 99% of the people I talk to aren't going to do anything anyway, right? But I'm trying, I'm trying to find that 1% that will um, because that 1%, like you said, no one, Superman's not coming to save us. No one's coming to save us. We, ha- we have to like look out for our own. But I think it's admirable in the way you do that. Um, and also, uh, and, shout, and you know what? I want to give a shout out to, um, to your girls as well because the way they rep you is crazy. And, and I think that's dope. Like Nairobi and shout out to our sister Kenya. Like the way they, the way they rep you um, is kind of dope as well. And I they, they definitely is crazy. Yeah, because like you know, it's one thing to have a friend that's doing well, um, and, and you say you support, but the way they show you support, I think is dope. So I always comment when I see y'all show each other love. I think that's dope. Um, and she just actually made a major move too. So major. Yeah, major. I'm gonna reach out to her. I want some because I want to get someone who, who so we can follow her journey as, as well, because that's dope. Um so what, do you, yeah. what are your plans for the future? I see that you started in the single family game and now you've kind of transitioned and you're buying more, you're buying more multifamily properties. But now you, you know, you, you told me that you're cleaning up like past inventory, but I see that you're looking towards that multifamily. Hey, did you ever think that yeah, you would so do that? Or did you always think that you'd be in a single family lane or, or is that always a plan? You know, there was always so much competition in multifamily. I like cheap properties um, <laughs> and multifamilies were always so overpriced. Um, and, and I think that there's a variety of benefits to the single family. I mean, you've got 
Um, they're more liquid. You got people who tend to stay longer. Um, there are a variety of advantages. And it's, it's interesting to me now being a multifamily owner, um, landlord, uh, because I get complaints about shit that I've never heard of before. Like one tenant said to me something like, well, the, the girl upstairs left her trash. And it's, I'm like, like, what are you calling me about? Like, y'all bickering amongst, <laughs> like, like, I don't even understand what you're saying. Like, tell her. Like, I don't even know what you're talking to me about right now. Or somebody, one one called me, like, somebody, too many of her friends on a porch. Like, I'm like, I just, I don't, like, I, so these are things that I've never dealt with, being a single family um, landlord. Um, and there are obviously advantages to multifamily. So um, my last probably five buildings have all been multifamily that I bought back in 18. Um, I haven't bought anything in 2019 just because we went on like a buying frenzy over the last few years because things were just so cheap and I knew they wouldn't stay that cheap forever. So we were more so interested in just bulking up and now we're trying to figure out how to you know, get them all um, rehabbed and then occupied. Um, next step, so it's probably going to be um, commercial. In fact, we did submit two offers this year on two commercial mixed-use buildings on Ogons Avenue. Um, as it turned out, it was a divorce proceeding and the guy ended up not selling them, but that's probably the next step. If I can okay. get some some either solely commercial or commercial mixed-use buildings, that's probably my next move. If not, um, I mean, I, I may I may keep looking in Philly. I may look outside of Philly. I mean, I'm hearing some really good numbers out of like Memphis and Baltimore uh, that I'm I'm really curious about. I just, I mean, my my biggest goal is just to have my money returned to me as quickly as possible. Yeah. So yeah. today, I mean, I'll do that. I'll do that wherever it makes the most sense. Okay. That makes sense. You brought up a couple of things right there. I want to expound yeah. upon. So it's like the, the difference between multifamily and single family is different. So I always like to talk about the mistakes I made. Cause um, I made pretty much every mistake there is to make as a landlord. Um, I tell people all the time, that's how I learn. Um, one of the things I did, I had a bunch of properties um, out of town before and I, I bought a commercial building. Right. And I actually had Wells Fargo as a tenant. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I, I didn't know at the time. At the time, my all experience I had was a single family properties. You start talking about like a triple net lease, um, certain calls. And I actually sold the property for a profit. This is again, like I don't really sell too much now. But back in the day, you know, this is before the bubble burst, by the way. Um, one of the mistakes that I personally made back then was I was buying everything that I could buy. Because first of all, the money was cheap. I was, to be completely transparent, I, you could get a loan back then without even showing income. It was completely the wild, yep. wild west. So yep. one of the mistakes I made was just buying whatever I could make. Now I got lucky. I got pretty much unscathed because I went so hard. I kind of like started to fall back and sell things off. Um, and the reason I was selling things off wasn't because I saw what was happening. I was completely clueless. It's just that I was trying to scale down because I was running myself crazy, right? Um, and I say all that to say this in terms of you with your goals, because I've had 60 properties at a time and made less money than at times when I've had 10 properties bought the right way. So I always had this thing about doors, right? In my head, I always like, I want to have a certain number of doors, but I'm always rethinking. I have like a, you know, every day I have a fight with someone on this show or someone on this show. They're like, is it about getting doors or is it about a certain cash flow? So when yeah. you talk about your long-term goals, what do you think? Do you think about a certain number of doors or is it about the cash flow from the doors? Because those are two different things. Two totally different things. Um, so for me, um, in my mind, a door is always the equivalent of about a thousand bucks a month in cash flow. Because you also got to think for me, 
my rent roll is is pretty substantial at this point. Um, and out of the, so I have 44 units, which is 31 buildings. Um, and I only have five mortgages. Nice. So most of my properties are free and clear. So I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not a big, and I've talked about this on my page. I'm not a very big leverage person. So for me, I do think about doors simply because I don't think doors with debt. Um, I think about free and clear doors. Okay. So I'm in, in my mind, I've always, doors, you know, I mean, that was just kind of, in a, it always like blows my mind when I talk to people who, you know, I've got 150 um, units or 150 doors and they have like 150 mortgages. I'm like, that, that's like the scary shit I've ever heard. That's like, a, like, like what are you doing with all that cash? How do you have that many loans? Like, you know, you, you talk about you've been flipping property, like, you, you know, you flip some, you got all that. Like, how do you have that many mortgages? Like, what are you doing? It'd be hard so, to sleep at night with those with that many. I, I, yeah, like, you got that much. Let you get that many mortgages. But see, and that's something I had to learn, though. That's something I had to learn, too. Because I used to be that way. I used to be like, grow, 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 and I'll figure it out. But then when I, what I figured out is, and a lot of it, uh, to be honest with me, it hit me when um, I read uh, the Warren Buffett book, The Snowball Effect, right? And, and uh, how, how I... how I book. Yeah, it wasn't. It's a huge book. But I took a lot from that. For one, um, his patience. I took that from that about being patient. And also... Yeah instead of just like just buying to be buy like buy with a purpose but buy it right so even if you look at how he manages his company they have so much money in cash and the reason they keep so much in cash is because right now he doesn't see anything as worth buying so i start trying to apply that myself okay so now instead of just buying real estate because i can get approved for the loan and all that what if i just save this cash up and wait till i find because i'm i love cheap houses too right so So I kind of took that from there, like buying it, buying the properties right, as opposed to just buying because you can buy. And I know that a lot of new investors, like once they're told they can get approved for a mortgage, they're leveraging everything. Um, that's cool yeah. in the market that we're in. It's cool yeah. in the market we're in now. But, uh, you know, I'm old enough to have been through several different markets. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I think that you, that's, that's the key. And I, I think I posted something on my page recently or one of my stories or something that or maybe it was I don't know, somewhere I said, um, you know, people just have to be careful of the advice that they're taking. You know, so if someone hasn't been through a recession before, it's really, really easy to make money in the, the longest uh, economic expansion in U.S. history. Like, if you, it, like, how could you not be making money right now? Um, where the rubber meets the road is what happens when that the economy contracts what happens when we hit a recession you sound like mike tyson um, like everybody got, got a plan until they get hit in the mouth i <laughs> got a plan until you get hit in the mouth this is absolutely true this is absolutely true so, yes, I, I, so I think true. that that's amazing advice right there right because like you know everybody thinks they're like and i've been there I, like i said i'm old enough to know i've been there when you listen before before the market crashed like I had so many deals come across my in front of me, and that's one of the reasons I held onto my license. I would sell properties before even putting them on the market. I just pick up a phone. Hey, I got a new a new property for some people would buy it, and the numbers were going high and high. My commission checks were through the roof, and I thought I was smart. And then you realize, like, you weren't smart at all. <laughs> the market was just booming so much. I don't know if we'll ever see that again because it was completely nuts. And I, I know people like, you know, you're exact. But if you live through that you know it was it was out of control 
it was out of control. I've seen, I literally knew women who were strippers who had like four or five rental properties where they were getting a hundred percent loans. Like, like this is real. This is what was going this on. Is the, glo- the, the glory thing. Yeah. And I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's that bad. And, and, and who knows, like to your point, I don't know if it'll ever get that bad again, but I, I think that now people are going to create whole new fresh ideas on how to screw up the economy. So <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm playing it safe. I'm playing it based on, you know, what I know works um, and just keeping my fingers crossed. I'm trying to, I'm trying to just make sure I'm not over leveraged. So if this thing like takes a big step back, I'm, I'm still good. All right, so one more thing that I got to ask you, right? Because I see, I see like sometimes on your page, right? And you mentioned it a little bit yourself. All the hard work and everything. So we know where you come from. We're from Philly. We know what it's like being in South Philly because South Philly, listen, she says Saigon, that, that's real. Um, that's, yeah. So, so we, we know that you've put in blood, sweat, and tears to get what you got. Um, you, you, you've maintained your integrity and built the business. Like I said, well, you're building multiple businesses, literally. Um, how do you feel when you see people come on your page and say that, hey, you got lucky or you got a windfall or, or, or you know, someone left you money? Because I see the smart comments people make. You know, it's, it's it, I mean, I just posted this. This is, my, I think, my last post on my page. Um, when I first saw all that, um, I legitimately thought the guy was joking. Like, the, the, the thread may be, like, way back, um, the original thread may be way back, I, re- I literally thought the guy was legitimately joking because I, I, I couldn't quite fathom just knowing my upbringing, um, knowing like everything that I did as hard as I worked as a new broker um, to, to really build my, my business and my cash flow and, my, and then my, ultimately my franchise. Um, I thought it was legit, legitimately, legitimately a joke and then when I found out it wasn't, I got like angry. So I went through like a series of like from disbelief to, to anger to at this point now I'm just sitting back and thinking like I must have really made it for somebody to see something. <laughs> so I mean it's, that's it's, a great way to it look at it. what it is. I mean I think that um I I think the hate like yeah now I'm I mean I'm it's it's just it's incredulous to me. I mean it's it's also very sad um for someone to feel like in order for you to be where you are, you must have gotten some sort of like windfall or some sort of handout. Um, that's, that, it's actually really sad when you, when you think about it, but I mean, you know, I'll yeah. live. Yeah. Yeah. Hard work though. You, you put the, you, Yo, you I like it. I'll live. <laughs> like whatever. I'll live. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's new hashtag from hashtag. I'll live. I'll live. Um, <laughs> so each listen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Right. Um, in terms of your business, right, your, your, your investment portfolio, you told us that you want to move to commercial. Um, is that something that you're going to do like fairly soon? Are you waiting until you get all these other stuff off your books or, or like, you know, are, you know are we going to see a hotel one day or like are you really playing Monopoly out here? What's going on? You know, if, if the right deal comes across my desk, um, I'll, you know, I'll jump in. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to like keep my, keep my focus on. I got, I've got 13 units left to get up and running, um, two of which are almost already done. Uh, and then the last 11 are just, I think that's like three or four buildings that have, that are, that are multifamilies. So I, like, if I can just get these buildings done, um, I'll see what's, I'll see what's out there. And I'm only going to ask this questions. I know people who are listening or watching are going to ask like, okay, so 44 units, you have 13 to get off and some of them are multifamily. 
at what point, how long will you be able to still manage your own properties? Um, so, so what I've said is once I'm done rehabbing these last, um, rehabbing and renting these last 13, I'm, I may just um, convince my partner to hire, we can hire someone who works for us full time who does all of our own management. I mean, it would be worth it to pay that person a base salary of 40K, maybe like get them a $300 a month car lease, pay, pay a cell phone bill just to have them like literally manage all of our stuff. Because that number that I gave you, that's, that's, that's either mine or ours. That doesn't even include what's also my real estate partners. So mm -hmm. between the two of us, I mean, we've got, we've, we've got a lot of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. If, you know, if we paid someone to do all of our management, I mean, that would still, um, I mean, that would save us, that would save us a ton of time and give us more flexibility to just, to just continue working on the business instead of in the business. Nice. So for oh, all those, all those people out there. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. We're yes, right. Working on on the business instead of in the business. Yeah, that's that's yeah, definitely man. a gem right there. And for those listening, each said um y'all can inbox her y'all resumes. Um, <laughs> 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 oh man, so like last thing, I keep saying last thing, but like you know, I love talking to you about this stuff. Um, but books. I know you said you're not heavy into a lot of like investment books or whatever, but I know. And I probably said your book. If I ask you to give me one book, you're probably going to say the book I already mentioned, right? Um, you know, my, my favorite business book of all time is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, okay. I did read Snowball. I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'll pick up anything by Warren Buffett, but um, Snowball was an amazing book, but I think that's a big commitment for a lot of people. That was, that was a lot to read, but um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, The Millionaire Next Door, um, who moved my cheese are probably probably my favorite business books. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one because that's like short and to the point, and yeah. you know, it, it yep. gives it gives you the information. All of those books with Snowball are easy reads. Well, Snowball is diesel, but the, yep. the thing about Snowball is it's like a lot of biography in there too. So it's gems within the story of of the life, but it's a lot of gems in there that you can apply to different investment vehicles. You don't have to necessarily be Agreed. doing what he's doing. Yep. But Ishmael, listen, thank you. Um, we've been trying to do this uh, for a minute, but uh, I want to thank you for your time as usual. Um, for the people out there, how can they uh, follow what you're doing? What's the best place? And I know the answer, but I, I mean, I'll let you say it as well. It's, it's IG, right? It's, I, sorry, you were cutting off. Say that again, Jimmy. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, I said for the people out there who want to follow your journey and what you're doing, what's the best place for them to like, see what you're doing? IG, right? Yeah, definitely IG. I'm on IG is at Aisha Selden, A-Y-E-S-H-A-S-E-L-D-E-N altogether. That's the okay. best place to reach me. Yeah, and I'll put the link in the description on, on everything that we do. Make sure you follow her because she's also hilarious, um, but it's a lot of gems and a lot of information there. Before we get out of here, Corey, any last questions? Anything you want to say, Dish? Uh Appreciate your time and all the gems you dropped on us. Um, oh, I do have one question about your, uh, your nine real estate investment vehicles. Um, when you chose those nine, uh, those nine real estate investment vehicles, what was the driving force behind those? Like what's the future of those investment vehicles for? It's only, there's only so much she can say about that, man. You know, she, she, she got to watch what she say. Um, I mean, like what did she want it to do for her? You know what I mean? Like. You, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling, you know, telling her to give us what she has in her portfolio, but tell us what, you know, what you wanted to do for you. Like, how, how is it, you know, going to affect those real estate uh, 
dealings that you do? Yeah, so I mean, I I like um. I like things that kick off good income. I mean, I, I like good companies. So, I mean, I, I can I can say without disclosing too much, I own a franchise um, and I own individual um, individual stocks. Um, in my in my stock portfolio, for example, I just look for, for good companies. Um, uh, not every one of my stocks pay a dividend, um, but, but for the most part, I like things that are gonna that are gonna pay me regardless of whether or not the stock market's going up or down. Okay, so, so I, 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 I heard you say you like good companies. I need you to define good companies for me. Um, good cash flow, um, pay a stable dividend, um, good leadership, um, not too much debt. You know, very. I, I look at I look at companies very similar to how I look at an individual. Yep. So if I've got an individual, I, I, was, I, was saying, I just told you. No, we say that every time um, we go when we go talk. That's one of our actual talking points, which is funny you say that. I always tell people like if your uncle Harry never pays anybody back, like you know, why would you <laughs> put your money with Uncle Harry when his debt is through the roof, right? Doesn't pay anybody back. So that's that's a great that's a great point. That's a great way to look at a company too. And, and with that, I appreciate your time. You know, I just wanted to you know talk about those nine real estate investment vehicles because you're doing the most. And for the people that's that's yeah. watching this, you should they should know exactly how dope you are. Like, so we, we got to get that out there. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Because like when we talk about buy the hood, that's exactly what you do because there's value outside of what you do for yourself personally in terms of income, you're improving a lot of neighborhoods, right? So, I, and I'm, I'm witness to, like I said, you own property on a block that I own property on. I'm like, Eesh, then buying this, like she's making my, this block look good. This is, this is what's up. So um, when you talk about buy the hood and you know, that's nah. what you do. So Again, thank you for your time. Um, we appreciate it. Keep making this all look good. Keep making our diplomas look good. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> HH diplomas is looking better and better. Absolutely. <laughs> we appreciate it. For those out there listening, um, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, share this content. Um, and make sure you hit the like button on everything. I don't care if it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. Just tell us that you like it and give us some feedback. Um, but again, thanks, Ish. We really appreciate it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep following your journey. Cool. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Thank you.